everyone, and welcome again to another episode of Budgeting Period, your podcast to learn a little bit about your money so that we can reach those goals and pay off some debt. Today, we have a really exciting episode. We have author Clifton Corbin here, and I had the pleasure of meeting him at a conference, but um, and we kind of just clicked, and he he is so smart. He is so genuine. I really just wanted a little bit of his inspiration to rub off onto you guys and um, just some of his wisdom, and so I want to welcome him to the show and Clifton, how are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm well, and thank you for that, Kelly. The feeling is very, very mutual. Uh, I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing great, actually. Um, about a, a bit about me. So you mentioned I'm an author. Uh, I wrote a book to help parents teach kids to be financially literate. Uh, I like to call myself a financial literacy advocate because my background was I, you know, I went off to university, got into a bunch of debt, and then had to figure out how to get out of it. And I feel like if I were to have had more financial literacy before I got off on my own, I might have been able to avoid some of those those hardships that I went through. So I've been advocating as hard as I can to help parents and young adults and and kids even, um, you know, up their financial literacy game just because I know what uh, the benefits that come from that. I unfortunately think you're speaking to a lot of people here of went off to college and got a bunch of debt and then got out of college and was like, whoa, man, like this is real. Like Mm -hmm. before it was kind of like not necessarily play money. I think we all knew what student loan debt was, but we didn't really know what like that five, six, $700 a month payment really meant and how that, you know, takes away from your income and it makes you do less in other areas and all that kind of stuff. So, um, what well i guess are you still paying off that debt or um were you able to get out of that student loan debt i was able to get out of it luckily um and it, just to go back to what you were saying one of the things that i think it really takes away from in addition to like having the payments and all the rest for me it took away choice it took away options because i felt this need to get a job not like search for my career or search for happiness it was like I need to get a job ASAP because I have to pay for this. I have to pay this off now. Uh, so it took away a little bit of freedom as freedom of choice there, which is just, it's terrible when I look back at it. But to answer your question, I was able to pay it off. I was fortunate enough to, at the time, be able to move back in with my parents. Again, not the choice I would have made had I had, you know, less, uh, you know, bills and debt to pay off at the time. But it was what I knew I needed to do just because I didn't have, I had so many payments that I had to make and not a lot of income. Uh, and that was the one way I could do it where, you know, I'd basically brought all my expenses down to close to zero. Uh, so that's how I was able to do it. Well, that was part of how I was able to do it. I started working and like I said, I threw everything I had at it because I just did not want it anymore. I needed, like for me, it just felt like a weight on my shoulders just holding me back. So I threw everything I had at it. So th- thankfully now I'm not in that in debt. Uh, I, like I paid all that off. But, you know, with that said, I think, you know, there's still credit cards that I use and there's still credit card debts that I manage. Uh, so there's, it's not like I'm totally debt free. I have a mortgage, but the student loan debt, the credit card debt that I thought was unmanageable, the parts that, you know, went off to collections and all the rest, that's all been taken care of. How long did it take you to get to that? I'm done with this debt moment. How many years were you maybe trying to survive or, um, before you moved in with your parents or, or do you remember that moment also? 
Yeah, no, I, I that's ingrained in my head. I will never forget those moments, unfortunately. Uh, so when I finished uh, my degree, um, I had I can't remember I can't remember the exact numbers, but I had you know let's say about ten to fifteen thousand in credit card debt, not to mention the student loan debt. Uh, and it was the credit card debt that was the one that was the worst for me because you know high interest rates. And like I said, I think I just briefly mentioned it. Like those had already gone to collections because I just stopped paying on them. Um, so I had that in addition to the student loan debt. So that was the one that was the one that you know i wanted to focus most uh most uh, acutely on um so right after i finished uh my degree i went uh i went home i i basically it was right away i, I there was no there's no period in between where I was, you know, just enjoying my my young adulthood. I went right from university right back home, which was terrible. It was I felt like I was moving backwards. I wasn't moving forward. I was able to get a job fairly quickly after I moved home, and I started paying that off. It took about two years for me to pay it all off. I did, I guess, what we'd call the snowball method now, where you pay, you know, you pay one, usually your smallest one, and then you take the the payments that you would have used after that one's paid off and put it into the next one. One of the things that I, I often talk about now is how I wish I didn't put all of my money when I was paying that first debt off into that first debt because I paid off the first credit card debt and I had no money to show for it. Like I hadn't started saving yet. I had literally through every single dollar. I remember after paying off that first credit card being like, I don't have any money to go buy a slice of pizza. I'm like, I just spent all this time getting this first degree. I spent all this time paying off this credit card. I spent all this time working and I still don't feel like I've moved a step ahead. So one of the things I did when I started paying my second credit card is I started to, you know, do a little bit of saving, you know, the the adage of pay yourself first. So I started doing that when I started paying, when I started paying off my second credit card bill, which was the bigger of the two. And when that one was paid off, I started to feel like I was moving forward. So it took about two, two and a half years to pay just the credit card debt off. And then after that, I started paying off my student loans. The interest rate was much lower, so it wasn't as critical for me. And it wasn't as big because the first degree, I'd already paid off most of uh, my debt for my first degree. And I ended up doing a second degree as well around this time. But at that point, again, I was putting as much money to my tuition as possible. So again, I was paying off all these debts, I was paying all these bills, but I didn't have a whole lot to show for it. So that's when I started to realize, you know, I needed to, even if it meant slowing down the debt payment, like having a little bit of debt, but building up savings is better than paying off all this debt and having no savings. So two, two and a half years to pay off the credit card bills, another couple of years after that to pay off all the student loans. But the bonus was after the credit cards and student loans were paid off, I actually had some money saved up that I could start using to invest, which was a game changer. I think that's like such a good lesson. And I say this all the time, personal finance is personal because um, I can totally see that feeling of, you know, you paid off this debt, it's this big accomplishment, but your bank account is the exact same as it was before. And so it's almost like, well, what did I do? Or what did I actually even accomplish? Or I, do I even have more money today than I did yesterday? Um, And obviously the answer is yes. Like you got rid of a ton of debt, but like that feeling is what um, is so personal to everybody, which actually makes us, make all these decisions in our life around our money. It's that personal feeling that um, can kind of, you know, be good for us or be bad for us. And, and that's always a hard question that I have with clients is, you know, should I, you know, the Dave Ramsey save a thousand dollars, right. And then you pay off your debt. Um, Sometimes I advise a little bit more than a thousand dollars. It's not very much money. Right. Um, And, but I was the person that didn't save a darn penny. And I just put a thousand percent of everything into debt because I was so over it. I was so angry. Um, 
that if I would have just saw savings sitting there, I probably would have been like even more frustrated. And so mm -hmm. I think it's a good lesson in just um, looking back as a more mature and a little bit more educated savings is probably definitely the way to go. Um, but I think it's all has to be your, your personal preference because whatever is going to keep you going, whatever's going to keep you motivated, whatever, um, is going to be right for you is going to be the answer. And unfortunately there's no rule for that. And there's no formula that you can follow. Um, but maybe it's just somewhere in between and you just pick something, get started, see how it feels and then change it. If it, if it doesn't feel good. And, and I love in the beginning of, um, your answer, you were talking about, um, your, your student loan payments, your credit card payments taking away from your life. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember that feeling very, very vividly. And I was angry because I remember making, I'm going to say excuses, but every time friends would go out to dinner or sign up for a girl's trip, I had this, this monologue in the back of my brain saying, well, you can't do that because you have student loans mm -hmm. and you can't afford that and you shouldn't be doing this. And uh, I was just so angry because they had student loans too. They didn't care about them, fortunately for them, because it wasn't eating at them and it, like it was eating at me. Um, but I, that's what I try to get across to my people, my audience, listeners, is that any payment that you have just takes away from today whether it's a car payment or it's student loans, credit card debt, even your mortgage, like even though we're most of us are okay with carrying that around because it's a it's a large a large loan low interest, but um but you're robbing yourself today of all these things that you could be doing, um even not only financially but emotionally when we carry around that debt. And so I think it's a really good point that you brought up of um you know, doing a little bit of sacrifice, living with your parents. And uh, that's not something that everyone can do. It's not something that we can always do later in life either. Um, but if you have that opportunity, sometimes the sacrifice is definitely worth it. Yeah, I agree with you. I remember when I was working, when I was in high school, I was working as like a computer technician. That was kind of my my summer job when I was younger. And that was the job I ended up taking after I finished my degree, which just felt like I said, it felt like a a setback. It felt like I wasn't moving forward. Like I spent four plus years because it didn't take me four years, but I spent four plus years to get my first same. degree. And at the end of it, I'm still doing the same job I was doing when I was in high school. And now I have to pay off this debt that I have from going to school. And I felt that way because like I said, I didn't feel like I had a choice. I didn't feel like, okay, now I can pause and, and find the career that will make me happy and fulfilled. So you just, that debt, like, I, like you said, and like I was saying, it just feels like it puts you in a situation where you feel like you lose freedom, you lose choice. And the other part that I just wanted to mention, when I first got my credit cards, and I'm just thinking specifically about credit cards here, I remember that feeling of, okay, well, this is for emergencies. Like, I'll use these credit cards if, you know, an emergency happens. And I quickly spiraled out and stopped using it in the emergency context. But even the idea of using a credit card, using debt to pay for emergencies is problematic because if you have an emergency, if you have some type of emergency need and you use debt for it, okay, well, great. You've, you've bridged that gap. You're good. But now you, now you're in debt and let's say you start paying that back and another emergency comes up. And when I say emergency, it's just something that you didn't budget for. So again, it, it just highlights the need for a budget and why you need to be really practical about what you will need to spend your money on. But if you're not appropriately planning for the money that you'll need to spend, 
then you find yourself just using your credit cards to survive, to live, to bridge all these gaps, which is why having savings, having an emergency fund, um, a slush fund or whatever you want to call it, can help you avoid using debt to just get by. So that's why I felt like when I started to save, I started to feel like I was getting ahead because there was times where it's like, shoot, I didn't think about how I need, you know, new wiper blades for my car. It's something small, but you know, when funds are tight, something small adds up, but I have a little bit of money in my savings. I could use that instead of going and depending on a credit card again. So having that savings really does help to give you, you know, a little bit of a buffer, a little bit of relief to make sure that you're not depending on debt to, you know, manage your spending. And then ideally, you start to plan a little bit better so that you can say, okay, well, I know that in a couple months from now, I'm going to need wiper blades, gas cha or oil change. I'm going to need to buy a wedding gift or a birthday gift or what have you. Like there's, um, you know, now I've got two young kids, like I've got summer camps and birthday parties and all these expense every year. They need a new set of clothes because they've outgrown their spring clothes, their summer clothes, their winter clothes. So these are expenses that I can anticipate because they've they keep coming. Um, so by anticipating them and budgeting for them, I don't need to say, "Oh, there's an emergency spend here that I need to find money for." Like it's the idea is to plan for that, budget for that, and then you don't need to worry so much. But when you don't have the money, your emergency fund's there for you. And this is why I preach like my whole philosophy of what I do is like around the budget, right? And it's not because like. I'm obsessed with budgets, which clearly I am, but it's because <laughs> they literally are a lifesaver. And so when you can build in those categories of random car stuff, the things that I forgot about for the kids, um, fast food money, because we don't have any groceries, like all those things that pop up that, like you said, aren't always a lot of money, but when you are working with nothing, that's, you know, can put you back, um, a budget has a place for you to save money for all those areas while it still has that category for paying off debt. So you can still be having those sinking funds and accruing a little bit of money in your pocket to cover these expenses that are irregular and we don't know how much they're going to cost. Um, but then you're also still paying off debt because that the mind game of reducing your extra debt payment, reducing your debt payment because you forgot that your kid's summer camp bill was due. Um, that can be a hard one too, when you're constantly not paying as much as you promised yourself you would mm -hmm. because things are popping up. Um, you you feel like you're a failure and you're not following the plan. And um, I, be, I beat myself up all the time if I didn't pay the amount of money that I promised myself that I was going to pay towards my debt no, no, no matter what, right? My non-negotiable payment, I call it. Um, and so just by having that emergency fund, by building out your budget a little bit more, um, you know, yep, 500 bucks a month is going to debt no matter what, but I also have all this other stuff covered and it um, is truly, um, it's a game changer and I don't, there's a better words to describe it, but it reduces so much stress and um, anxiety and fear that it's definitely worth trying if um, people haven't before. I would love to ask, given our stories are very similar Pardon me. Our stories are so similar. I'd love to ask, when did you discover budgeting as, you know, a lifesaver? So unlike your clever young post-college self, I spent eight years hustling and because I refused to live with my parents, right? Um, I was that stubborn college grad that knew everything. And I had friends that moved back home and paid off their debt. And I was just like, there's no way I'd rather 
do this longer than um, live with my parents. They live in a small town. It was like far away. Like it, there, it would have been nothing for me. Um, and so I pay, I was paying off my debt for about eight years. And one day I woke up and I was like, I'm going to log into my accounts and I'm going to see how much money I still owe. It can't be that much. I bet I owe like a thousand dollars or something really cute. Right. Um, at, I graduated from college with probably over $60,000 in debt. I had no idea how much I had, which is part of the important part of the, part of the story because yeah. nobody knows. Right. Um, and when I, when I logged into those accounts, cause everything was on auto payment, I thought I was doing what I was supposed to do. Right. I was making my full payments. I wasn't on an adjusted plan. Um, I still owed $46,000 over mm -hmm. that. And so I, that was like a punch in the face. That right. was, what have I been doing for eight years? I was following the plan. I was paying what I was supposed to be playing. I was promised that these loans would be gone in 10 years. The asterisk being, if you refinance, um, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff, everything changes. And so that was my moment for to not answer your question. But then, and so then I was like, okay, something has to be done. Like I need to do something. I was working a full-time job. I was waitressing. I was making all this extra money to pay off this debt, but people, and I don't think I can say this enough, if you're not putting that money towards your debt, it doesn't matter how much extra that you're working. Mm -hmm. It's If you're mm -hmm. just making that extra money to afford your debt payment, your minimum payment, it's not really changing anything. And I didn't get that for so long. And so I just started Googling, how the heck do I get out of debt? Like, what do I do? Um, and a friend of mine that I worked with, he, his wife had like a, um, promo code for YNAB at the time. Mm -hmm. And she's like, instead of one month, you can get like two months for free. So I tried it and I failed at it. Um, later again, I tried it again with like, I think a different email or something. And I failed at it again. Um, I didn't track my spending. I didn't really, you know, I didn't, mm -hmm. I'd never budgeted before. And so I had no idea what this world was. Um, but I knew at that point, I think I was paying an extra $500 a month on my student loans on top of my $500 a month payment. And so I started budgeting by default because I needed to afford that $500 extra payment. And so I needed to figure out how to budget to make sure I didn't blow that money. Mm -hmm. um, because just looking at a checking account, <clears throat> pulling out the calendar and trying to figure out what bills are due, what date and what day do work. I get paid? Oh my God. I, I get clients every once in a while that like to try to figure out that method. And I'm just no help because it is way too complex. It is way takes up way too much time. And so I was truly just looking for, I need like an app or a software like mint mm -hmm. or something to just help me. How can I make sure that I can afford this payment every single month? And then of course I have my dad being like, don't forget you have to buy tires for your car. And I was like, <laughs> I've never bought tires for my car in my life. Like how the heck am I supposed to afford that? And, and so I tried YNAB again and, and it stuck. And so, um, I'm a, I'm a YNAB for life girl. Derek and I paid for it separately for years. And then one day we woke up and we were like, I think we could be on the same account and like save 90 bucks a year. Um, and then once I realized in, in a budget, no matter what software you use, it doesn't matter. Um, like we said earlier, once you start having those sinking funds and you start having categories for all these random things that pop up that you have no idea how much it's going to cost. That is huge. That is the moment that literally changed my life forever. And, um, it made me afford my payments. It made me pay more than the 500 extra a month. Um, and it made me get out of debt in 20 months, which was, you know, exactly what I needed at the time. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I've tried using YNAB and it's the, you're right. I like how you identify that. Like the first time it might not work the second, third, fourth time it might not work, but you kind of have to stick with it and keep trying it. Cause it's, 
exactly what you said. Like no one's finances are going to fit neatly into any system budget app process. So you have to find a way to make it work for you and your circumstances. And then as you do that, and as you, you know, build it into a habit and build it into your processes and checking, well, do I have enough money for this item that I want to buy before you buy the item? Because we're all so prone to buying impulsively, not even necessarily impulsively, but if we've never put any guardrails or restrictions around what we spend our money on, it can be hard to live with guardrails and restrictions around our money, but it's only by doing that can you start to, like what I always like to say is the best part about the budget is it really does help you prioritize what you want to spend your money on. It's not restriction on what you spend your money on. It is making sure that your goals, your priorities are actually what you're prioritizing and spending your money on and putting your money towards. So that's the beauty of the budget. So I love, I love how it took you a couple of attempts because that, it, can be that way, uh, but you made it work. That's great. Exactly. And the best part about a budget, you guys, is that you get to create it. Like you are the author of the budget. And so you tell it how much money you're going to spend on restaurants. You tell it how much money you're going to blow on clothing every month. As long as it lines up to your salary and nothing more than that, you're not going into debt for this. Well, as long as you're still accomplishing some of your goals, medium and long-term goals, um, as long as you're like not accruing anything, you know, else that you're not just tracking, um, it's perfect. Blow as much money as you want in restaurants. And so that's my biggest takeaway with the budget is you get to literally decide what's in it, what's important to you, what goals you want to accomplish. Um, but so Clifton, we have a little bit of time left. I want to get into your book, your kids, their money. And I love, love, love the title because it's so true. It is their money. And so we need to teach our kids from a very young age, how they can manage their money and, um, how they're involved in this bigger system and why it matters. Um, so, what did this book come out of you having children and realizing I don't know enough about this or there's not enough tools about this or what made you write this book? Sure. So I kind of gave you my story uh, at the top of our, our discussion here and it came from me realizing that like as much as, so I'll give you a bit more of my background. So I'm very fortunate. I have two parents loving parents who were always willing to talk to me about money. I was always able to go to them and ask them. And I was always very curious. Like I like to say, I was a money nerd before it was cool to put it on shirts. So I was always curious about make, making money and how do I get money and how do I access money and all of these things. And I would talk to them and they would be like, here, let's set up a lemonade stand and here's how you do this. So we were always talking about, you know, how to acquire money. They helped me with figuring out how to save money, but that's kind of where the conversation stopped. And we never talked about debt or managing debt or leveraging debt. We never talked about wealth creation or why it's important and what it can offer you as far as financial independence and financial uh, wellness and financial freedom. We didn't talk about how to secure wealth with insurance and all these other things. Like we didn't talk about anything past earning money and saving money. And I think that's kind of where some of my problems came when I got off on my own and I had to now manage a budget and manage, you know, my debt. I didn't know what I was doing. I hadn't talked about it with anyone. I had never seen it. I never experienced it. I like to say like the first time I ever borrowed money was when I got thousands of dollars for a student loan. I never borrowed anything. I never paid anyone back any money before I had thousands of dollars uh, to my, you know, at my discretion. So the book came from me saying, well, how do I help other parents who have kids who might not know 
what they should be talking about or how they should be talking about it uh, or just what else they should be talking about. So that's why, or that's where the book came from. It was an attempt to help parents give them, give parents those tools, those resources, the language to start introducing these concepts at, uh, for their kids before their kids need it so that when their kids do need it, they have some experience with it. They understand what's happening. And I like to, you know, I try to offer lots of opportunities for parents to give their children chances to practice, you know, using money, borrowing money, paying bills, uh, opportunities to talk about wealth creation and why that's important. So talking about all these different aspects of financial literacy, because I, you know, we all need it. Our schools aren't providing it, at least not at the level I think it's necessary. So this is an attempt to give parents, like I said, the resources and tools so that our kids can be prepared once they're off on their own so that they can avoid, you know, accumulating tons of debt and managing their budgets and managing their wealth. So that's that. That's where it came from. It's this attempt for me to help prevent, uh, you know, young people falling into the same mistakes that I fell into. Absolutely. That it prevents years of headaches and heartbreak and living with your parents after you thought you flew the coop and you, <laughs> exactly. you know, you've made it in life and you're like, wait a minute, here I am with my parents in the same job. What happened? Um, that I think, unfortunately, we can all relate to. And so what are some of the biggest, like, this is such a vague question, the biggest takeaways, but what are like three things that like parents need to know? Like, about like, as far as when do I, when should I get started? Or is it ever too late? Or this is just the principle that I need to get across their tiny little brains, maybe the most, <laughs> the, you know, the most quickly or, or what, what do just parents need to know out of what your findings were when writing the book? Our kids are capable. Our kids are curious. Our kids can understand this, but if we don't introduce these topics if we don't talk to them about money and savings they will be left to figure it out on their own and that's where problems can arise so just again using myself and as, as an example if we don't talk if i were if i if i didn't talk to my kids about saving and wealth creation and explain to them the difference between uh you know the people who out there who are spending their money on fancy cars and you know fancy jewelry and nice clothing and they see that and they might think oh these people are really wealthy well that's just money spent that's not wealth but they can't see that unless I tell them that because they can't see what I've been doing with my money they can't see how I've been you know saving for retirement because all of that's hidden all of that is behind the veil of my account so it's only by being open and transparent with what we're doing as a as a family will our kids be able to understand what they should do as well so there's a lot that you can do by just talking to them, being transparent, giving them opportunities to practice. So an allowance is great if you're up for it. Um, giving your child chances to even borrow money from you if you're up for it. Again, just giving them opportunities to practice and giving them opportunities to learn and understand how the system works, how money works, what you're doing with your money. Um, if you were, let's say, again, if you have debt, what does that mean? How does that impact you? How could that impact them if they were to have debt? Now, I'm not saying, you know, burden them with all the anxiety that can come with that, but just explain to them, like, by me having a lot of debt, it meant that I didn't have the choice of, you know, careers that I wanted. It meant that I had to move home with my parents. It meant that when I wanted to borrow money to buy a car, I had to pay higher fees and higher rates. That's what having a high debt load could mean. But if I were to manage my debt and focus on wealth creation and then start working on compounding growth and compounding interest, then maybe my wealth can grow faster. So it's having these conversations and just understanding that our kids 
one, they're capable, they're curious, they can understand this. There's nothing that's keeping them from getting these concepts, but it's really up to us to be open and willing to talk to them. Money's unfortunately still such a taboo subject in a lot of a lot of different spaces, but within our homes, we can't have it be that way because we need our kids to understand these concepts because we want them, we want to set our kids up for success. And if they don't understand how money works and how they will need to manage their money, then we're not giving them the best opportunities. I love how, um, like just having a little bit of faith that our children are smarter than we think sometimes, because I remember even growing up, like you have money, like, right. Like that was my response. Every time my mom said no to something, I was like, you guys have jobs, like you have money. Like, but that wouldn't even be like a thought in my brain. If there would have been conversations around, yeah, but remember how we're going to Disneyland next mm -hmm. month for like, or remember how mommy had to get a new car and that cut, like those kind of things are simple, simple, like real life lessons that can introduce like uh, money is an unlimited while it's bountiful. It, um, there is a point where we, you know, have to cap it off mm -hmm. and, um, it can only go so many different places and we can only do so many things with it. And so you brought it up, but allowance, what the way you were explaining it, it made me feel a little bit less pressure around what to do with allowance because it was more so I was understanding of like, try it out, either give them some or let them borrow or whatever works for you as long as you're having the conversation, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you have any like advice or tips or um, are there rules about what age you started at or if it's even you know, a good idea and how much you should give or just tell us a little bit about allowance. Sure. So you already said it, but I'll, I'll repeat it. You know, personal finance is personal first. So you have to do what works for you, your family, your budgets, your values. Um, I love allowances because again, it gives children an opportunity to practice using money. It gives them access to money so they can start, you know, buying, saving, giving, borrowing, because you can't really start lending money to kids unless they have a source of money to repay that. So I love it for all those reasons. With regards to when you can start giving an allowance, it really depends on your child. Uh, they need to be able to do the math that's required to manage money. So a lot of kids around that age of like six, Six, seven, maybe even five, because they're starting to do those uh, those calculations that that arithmetic that they need to manage money. So they have that, but there's no right or wrong age. It's really you know when your children are starting to show an interest, that's when you want to start these conversations. When they show that they are capable of managing it, because there's more than just the math. They need to show that they're responsible enough to actually carry it and secure it and all these other things. But again, it's just an opportunity to help them practice. So the allowance is not the end-all be-all. It's just another tool in your toolkit. The allowance without your conversations, without your discussions, without your guidance won't do what it will do if you offer all of those in addition to the allowance. So there's a lot, like I'd love to get into all the different facets of the allowance because I think it's such a great tool. But the other thing I do want to say, just because like I said, I prefaced with this, like if you don't feel like an allowance is something that you have within your budget, there's other ways to give your children opportunities to practice using money. I love, you know, grocery stores are just a wealth of information in general. There's numbers all over the place. It's all money oriented. But one of the things I say, if like you don't think you have the, the money in your budget for an allowance with your kids, let them manage part of a budget line in your in your um, in your budget. So say you're in charge of uh, breakfast, you buy the breakfast foods, and you give them the amount of money. And this only works if you're doing a, have a budget and you can actually cut out that line out of your budget. But say you manage all of the breakfast for the family, and then let give them the money for it, and then let them you know work through it, how much 
they need to buy. So there's so many different ways that you can give your child opportunities to practice using money. Tons of, op- I've got more obviously in the book, but these are just some quick tips. Like just think of all the different times your kids are asking you about something money-wise and just don't be shy. Just be very open. Just talk to them. Let them learn from what you've done, what you've seen, what you've experienced, because all of these opportunity, all of these are opportunities for them to learn. Uh, not to like throw in, throw anyone under the bus, but I love how you said you have to be doing it. You said, I'm paraphrasing, but like in order to teach them about budgeting for breakfast at the grocery store, you also maybe need to have an idea of what your grocery budget for breakfast is at the grocery store. And so now people, I'm going to say now's the time and it doesn't matter how old any of your children are, if you have them or if you don't want them, doesn't matter. Now is the time to figure out your budget, to get it in place, to fail a dozen times and to pick it back up again, because tomorrow is the time that you, we need to start teaching our kids, our neighbors, our coworkers, like how I got started. It was a coworker. Um, there's always somebody in our life that could benefit from just like the lessons that we've learned about money mm-hmm. because it doesn't always come from our parents. And I think we're going to ge- in a generation now where all of us made really bad money mistakes because we didn't know anything. And so now it is coming to our kids. Um, thank goodness. And so your kids, their money, Clifton, thank you so much. I'm so excited. We're obviously going to link it below. Where else can people find you if they want to know more about you and they want to know about all these other like um, allowance techniques. And if they don't have money, how do we teach kids about money? And um, yeah, where else can they learn a little bit more? Sure. So I've got uh, a free workbook that you can get at your, uh, sorry, it's uh, kidsmoneyworkbook.com. So you just go to kidsmoneyworkbook. It's a free workbook. You can, uh, there's activities for kids in there, printable money. It kind of ties all of the concepts. So it's stuff for your kids to do. Uh, so that's a fun activity book that your kids can do right away. It's printable. It's free, always free. Um, you can go to my website, cliftoncorbin.com. I've got activities on there. I've got blog posts on there. You can find my other books on there as well uh i'm also i do a lot of posting on linkedin so if you look if you're on linkedin you can go to linkedin i believe it's uh cd corbin is my handle on linkedin as well so you can find me there and i'm you know sometimes i'm on instagram but mostly on linkedin but if you're on uh if you're on instagram it's your kids uh their money on linkedin or sorry on instagram Love it. Well, you heard it here, folks. Thanks again to Clifton and all of your advice and your parenting and money techniques. Um, If you want to learn more, everything's linked in the show notes and that will be a wrap for today. Thank you so much. We hope you learned a little bit more about teaching your money or your kids about their money Um, and have a wonderful day and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. 